Hey, coming up on the podcast, Mel Brooks' Blazing Saddles from 1974. It just turned 50, the big 5-0, and it's still funny. Or is it? That's a debate that we're just going to have to have now. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey there, listener, and welcome to another Magnificently Huge podcast. This is Chris, and this week, along with Eric and Brian, we're going to celebrate the 50th anniversary. That's right, 50, 5 of the Mel Brooks classic Blazing Saddles, the comedy, smooth western, musical, metatextual, whatever, whatever, that uh, is basically a foundational comedy movie for the ages. Uh, does it hold up? That's what we're going to talk about because uh, some people are still sort of uh, put off by this thing. It's very vulgar at times. It's silly, uh, but also has a very good social uh, commentary running throughout. It's shocking, really, that I would uh, even have to mention that to you. If you've not seen this movie, then uh, your life is empty. Go watch it now and then come back and listen. But yeah, we're going to go on and on about uh, Blazing Saddles by Mel Brooks, the fantastic comic masterpiece, if you will. Uh, if you don't like what we have to say, then send us your hate mail to magnificentlyhugegmail.com. Uh, you can also catch us on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. You can even head over to our website, maghuge.com. That's M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com, where we have links and stuff, and you can, you know, confer with us about uh, show ideas and recipes and whatever. Who cares? Uh, this show is all about Blazing Saddles turning 50, which should make some of you feel really old and some of you not old enough. So without further ado, let's uh, kick this pig. Let's uh, get it underway. Let's uh, talk about the fun of Blazing Saddles and uh, everything it means to each and every one of us as human beings on the planet Earth uh, today or something. It's, uh, it's funnier than it sounds. Hey, y'all. It's the Magnificently Huge Podcast. I'm Eric. Hey, Eric. I'm Brian. Hey, Eric and Brian. I'm Chris. And together, we're still Eric. a podcast. Supposed, yeah, you're Brian. supposed to say it. We're not, we're not Eric. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back yeah. after a, Thank a, you. a hiatus that was well-earned. We are back. And back unplanned to back hiatuses around here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got hiatuses coming out our hiatuses, if you know what I mean. Uh, uh, so what have you been up to? Uh, I've not been world traveling. You assholes! Yeah. That's what I've been up to. Lucky. Did you? Uh, so, Eric, did did you go to Tokyo Disneyland? Was that why you went to Japan? This is yeah. This is something that bothers a lot of people in my life. I went to Tokyo, Japan, only for Disney. I didn't go for anything in Tokyo. I only <laughs> I went for it. Disney. I didn't even <laughs> think about the Disney angle. I was like, "Why is he yeah. going to Tokyo?" Didn't even as, didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> as soon as I told my wife, I'm like, "Yeah, we're we're taking a hiatus because." travel and going to oh cool i'm like yeah they're probably going to fucking disneyland yeah <laughs> and sure enough yeah and nothing else yeah that's so and and people are like like at work are like what I'm like yeah 
Yeah, yeah. I don't want to experience another culture. I want to see a Disneyland I haven't seen. You, you mean, just want to see Disney. Culture. It's just not Jap- yeah. Japanese. It's but how many yeah. have you been to now? You've been you've been to the Euro Disney. Yeah. Uh, the land, the world, Euro Disney, and Disney Japan, and I'm too scared to go to China, so I yeah, won't be going to those. I would say, just uh, just call that one, uh, you know, done, and move on. The, let me just say, Disney Sea, which is they have a they have a Magic Kingdom and a thing called Disney Sea, which is their version, I guess, of Disney California, is really neat because you go in and it's a very sort of faux italian village kind of look with a big volcano you walk into the volcano and the volcano spirals down and there's rides and and attractions in the volcano and it's all very jules verne steampunky it's really cool it's, this is disney I mean, sea a, somehow with the volcano yeah. and the jules yeah. verne. that else that all sounds very you only live twice to me did you yeah. run into blofeld and his ninja army <laughs> Just me, volcano layer. Just me okay. being the only like really tall white guy. Yeah, uh, it yeah. was loaded okay. with Japanese people, and there's okay. something very weird. I, I've walking around with a bunch of Japanese people. They are all beautiful. It is weird. They are all like perfect, and I am utterly unattracted to them. Does that make sense? It's like they are perfect human specimens and at the same time there's something very are you are you a sexual racist is that what you're saying neutral (laughs) about them maybe maybe that's it but i asked my wife and she said the same thing it's like yeah they're all beautiful and they're all very whatever it's i mean you're attracted to what you're attracted to that that just means that yeah you're not providing competition to the people who are attracted to them and that's fine that's the I have yeah. a feeling what it is is that I'm attracted to like grungy and there's nothing grungy about any of them because they're all very perfect. And <laughs> you went a little funk where, like, is what you're saying. <laughs> they well they okay they're, they're okay there's a thing where like oh uh, young women post high school they'll like meet up and have like a girls trip and they'll go do stuff but apparently they all wear their school uniforms. So there's all these women in their mid twenties in like schoolgirl uniforms. If I were like schoolgirl uniform pervy, I might be into that. But as I'm watching, I'm just like, what the fuck? Eric, you're in your 50s. You really, it's good that you're not like horned up about that. Oh, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I don't understand. (laughs) And, and like I saw just a ton of uniforms. I'm like, there's no way there's this many schools out of session. And my wife had to explain it to me. Well, yeah, the, the very little I do know about Japan through like documentaries and, etc etc uh there seems to be a high level of niche uh fetish stuff going on in that country Mm. like the uniforms which and you've also got like the weird rockabilly uh subset i wanted to see and you've got and you've got like the weird sex stuff i mean it's just like there, there's just uh, niche after niche apparently in Japan, uh, as, and it's as just a, a, yeah. As a person who actually has Gen Z kids who've been like into the weeb culture and and you know picking up on all that, uh, yeah, it's all very uh, fetishized. That's yeah, something else though. My wife uh, uh, hipped me to is uh, okay. So they have in their culture a whole thing of not having sex until you get married, and they get married kind of late because. They have to work so goddamn hard in that country. And as a result, they don't get laid very early. And so, yeah, their their sexuality sort of goes sideways on them. 
Okay. You know, so it doesn't, it, it doesn't help that we sense. dropped a big nuke. Yeah. It doesn't help that we dropped a big nuke on them back in the forties. Well, you that's, I mean? that certainly, you know, took away the more, you know, dangerous elements, you know, <laughs> you, you don't, you don't hear like Imperial Japan rants the way you hear Nazi rants these days. I think yeah, it was yeah. a bit more successful. It was, what happened it was pretty decisive. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, well, good. I good. didn't hear the answer to the question, which Disney park is the best. Uh, oh, oh, of them all, uh, Euro Disney, uh, Disney really? Paris, whatever we call it now, Disney Paris, I think we call it now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always going to be Euro Disney to me. Sorry. I, I yeah, yeah. It, the thing is they have, um, they went full bore into the Jules Verne thing and it's so cool. The, the steampunkedness of it. Disney Sea has some of it and I liked that, but okay. yeah. Uh, but yes. I, I will say Good. the one thing really going against Disney Paris, when we went, all of the Russians, Russians are dicks. You don't want to hang out with Russians <laughs> in the crowd. Oh, boy. If yeah. I have a racism unless, problem, it's with Russians. Uh, yeah. Unless you're Tucker Carlson, you can just take a flying leap. Ruski. Well, you kind of have to know. like Russians because nobody else likes him because he's a dick. <laughs> He's like he's that kid in high school everybody picked on because of course we picked on him. He's an asshole. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. puppet. No okay. puppet. No, no puppets here. No finger up my butthole making my and mouth. Why run. should I hate Russia? They You're didn't the puppet. call me a racist or take away my my toys when I was a kid and then break them uh, in front of me and then drop them on the floor and say, What are you gonna do about it, Dick? interesting that was well very specific um it was i yeah i have an i have a motion on the floor if i may uh fresh shit this shit is fresh oh shit that is fresh this stuff is really fresh for my fresh shit i'm gonna have to talk about my trips as well because i spent the last three weeks traveling for work and so yes. um the fun part was the itinerary. I had to spend the first week in Marlboro, Massachusetts, which is a suburb of Boston. Yeah, it is. Um, Home of uh, Dennis Leary. And uh, yeah, and and so Marlboro, at least the part of Marlboro we were in, was like any town USA. It was just all monoculture, all chain stores, and surrounded by hotels. It was very convenient, but very bland. Um, it's like, but, that's like every burb in America. Brian. Yeah. It's, it's, it's everywhere you go at this point. The difference snow, yeah. there was snow and then there was rain. And so then there was black ice. Um, but, uh, my challenge was I had a three week trip. The first week was, was to Marlboro. And then the second two weeks were to Chennai, India, where it is like 96 degrees and humid as fuck. <laughs> now I am not willing on an international trip like that to check a bag. So I packed three full weeks worth of clothes in a carry-on by using, I mean, they're not even vacuum bags. They're just giant Ziploc bags. And you like, fold your clothes up in them and you like lie on them on the floor and you zip up the Ziploc bag. And I crammed so much shit into a carry-on bag. I highly recommend this. Um, so are you not allowed to do laundry? While you're oh, in India, you could totally do laundry, especially if you want to pay the hotel there. We're going to rip off the Westerners rate. You could you could do that. Um, okay. See, when I when I did my backpacking through Thailand twenty five years ago, almost now, uh, it was super cheap. So that's my reference point. <laughs> so you pay like two dollars and you get your entire bag of laundry done. 
and then so so the, the thing I want to to uh, to plug here is and I'll put links to the YouTube videos in the show description. I made two videos while I was there. One is I've been saying that there's like no traffic laws in India, and I have been trying for two years in these two trips to find a way to capture the experience of driving around in India with a phone. And it you really can't do it justice, but I've, I've got, I feel pretty good about the results I get this year. So I put it on YouTube just to watch the pure insanity. My German friends hate it. Like they look, they look at all these cars just randomly crisscrossing each other and they like, they, they can't handle it. Yeah. Their um, driving test yeah, in Germany it, is pretty intense. I mean, they are they are really good drivers because they fucking make them be good drivers. Right. I mean, yeah. But I bet you if you talk to someone from England, they're probably like, yeah, whatever, because England has all the roundabouts. I don't know if you've ever tried have, to drive through a roundabout. Have you watched video that I posted, Chris? I'll, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you forget that I also... Aren't, aren't even half of it. <laughs> I mean, I have to drive through Chicago every now and then, so it, it didn't really seem that different from my everyday experience it's just uh, more people the, the, the lack real. of traffic signals or orderly transitions of anything is is really the the deal and also just the lack of lanes so everybody just jams yeah. in everywhere it's crazy well the Asian uh, countries in general too are interesting because everybody uh does like the motorbike because it's just yeah more convenient it's easier but you like I swear to God I'm more than one occasion I look onto the street and there's like you know 10 people on one motor scooter or whatever i mean it was just and that's not that much of an exaggeration uh so it's always jarring coming from the west to see stuff like that because like there's no way that would happen here at all there's the that old video of uh the train that goes through the village have you seen this it's like an old internet meme video where there's a bunch of shops on this street and they all suddenly start packing up and like getting inside of the building and like pulling all the shit in and then a fucking train comes through the downtown and there's yeah, barely yeah. enough room on either side yes. and then when the train is gone they all come back out and set the shops back up <laughs> yeah it looks like a, it's like a tex avery cartoon almost yeah it's so it's weird another goddamn world out there yeah it, it really is um so Near the hotel I stayed at, because I, you know, I stayed in the bougie Westerner hotel. Um, and there's a bougie. Is that Westerner, what it's called? Is, it, is is that a Hilton bougie hotel? <laughs> <laughs> the, the Hilton bougie Westerner. It's it's a Westin <laughs> actually, but yeah. Um, but uh, we we that walking distance from that, when you walk past the literal like wild monkeys, um, is is a big mall. And this mall is, first of all, this mall is like the only place where things are priced the same as they are in the U.S. Like, it's all in rupees, but if you do the the actual exchange rate, it's like there's no discount for buying things at this mall. Uh, with, God bless you know. them. So I don't know, I don't know who the people in India uh, are that are making enough money to shop at this place, but but I'm sure they're there because this is a big ass mall. But um, but they had western fast food chains in this mall and so i decided I on video. a lark to go and I, I documented it uh with my with my phone uh to go and see what western ver or indian versions of mcdonald's burger king and kfc tasted like and uh not not the same 
<laughs> That's astonishing, that statement. Well, actually, you know, spoilers for the video, I guess, but the KFC is is actually pretty much KFC. They just skimp on the 11 herbs and spices. Yeah. That's like, like six. In, in Thailand, they were that was the main franchise that I saw everywhere. KFC because it's just chicken. It's eat chickens are everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And it's not like it's that hard. Having worked in a KFC, I can tell you that it's not that hard to make that shit and you can just crank it out. So that's uh not shocking to me. Well, that that it's not hard to make a Big Mac either, but whatever the fuck they're serving in, in India at McDonald's <laughs> is not that. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna so- I'm gonna complain about not getting a beef burger in India. Yeah. What the fuck is up with that? It's not the, no no. It's not a feeling beef burger like uh, McDonald's flavors their chicken to taste like beef, right? Like no, the so the like the contrast between Burger King and McDonald's. Neither one tastes a fucking thing like the U.S. counterparts, except like the Burger King bun is the same bun, and so you get that sort of Burger King flavor through the bun. The Big Mac. It, it looks like the same bun, but literally no flavor in in the Maharaja Mac resembles anything you've had at any McDonald's at all, which is amazing because Lovely. everything at McDonald's just has beef flavoring in it in the West. The fries have it, the nuggets have it, the beef the has it. The milkshakes. Yeah, but not in not in India. I'm, so, in, I'm, I'm going to need to get a list of the items you tried because we discovered here in Chicago near a neighborhood called Fulton market is the, there's like an international McDonald's restaurant. So they mm-hmm. do all of the different uh, weird international oh. items, but we just were like, I'm not going to do a special trip just to do here's, that. But if I'm ever down place, there, I'm, I'm going to have to try it. My theory on all of the, the fast food places internationally though, is that they're not selling the people there actual McDonald's food. They're selling them brand experience. It's like, right. Be like fat America and have McDonald's, you know, it's, it doesn't even matter well, what the fuck it tastes like or looks like as long as it's, you know, the world famous America burger. Yeah. Well, huh. I mean, it's the post-World War II, like American Asian, Americanization right. of the world, you know, so, like Coca-Cola, McDonald's, this and that. So I have Britney Spears you know. pizza. Yeah. I, I guess I viewed it, I viewed it differently. Like my assumption was, especially given how Westernized this particular mall was, is that the idea was that they've got this consistent recipe and you can literally go anywhere in the world and no matter how mm. weird the food is, you can still get something familiar. No, <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> I mean, Unless it's, it's not like you're, Yeah, it's not like you're looking at a Sabaro in the food court in Chennai. There, there was I mean? a Chili's and, and I didn't oh. go because why would you? But I mean, I mean why would you anyway? In I America. love Chili's. I mean, watch this video. But Chili's is Shut awesome. Up. And we have none <laughs> out here. There's none out here. I love just going not for the chips. Any. The chips are fucking baller. Oh, I love the chips. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Hmm? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Actually, I, you. I like the that's, chips at Chili's. This is our travel <laughs> blogging podcast, I guess. Did uh, anybody actually watch anything back. or read anything or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got one that you're going to like, I can, I can already feel your eyes rolling into the back of your skull uh, as I'm about to mention it. Uh, so let me preface it. Is There's it from the sixties. Uh, no, even oh, better okay. from the seventies, <laughs> okay. from the seventies. Uh, 
so my normal streaming services i'm just i'm i've grown really bored with so it's very difficult for me for me to find something that's not uh monoculture you know i need that like heroin jab in the in the vein kind of thing so that leads you to some weird rabbit holes and there's this one channel app or whatever uh called tubi tv t-u-b-i sure i use it and they do like yeah and they use they do like brief commercials and stuff so it's not too jarring uh but they've i've discovered a treasure trove of old sid and marty croft bullshit okay uh like electra woman and dyna girl yeah uh so so i watched the first episode of that and the dad from my big fat greek wedding is the villain and it's just the it's the most it's sid and marty croft always bugs me because it's like you you might as well just do it as a cheap ass animated tv show like hanna barbera or whatever but instead you have the same aesthetic but they're using real people in place of the yeah. cartoon actors and it's just this weird i mean when you're a kid it didn't really register but as an adult you're like this is just pathetic on so many levels yet i am still watching 30 minutes later uh so that sort of led me into the you might like this and so i found the bay city rollers show yes. which only had like like six episodes or eight episodes or something from 1978 and it was sort of it was it started as the like the, it was the replacement show, hour. I think, for Captain Cool and the Kongs. It was something, but it started as the Cross Superstar Hour. Well, here's the thing is is you get the Bay City Rollers who are basically right at their acne. They're pretty much on the, the other side of the, the slide, and you can tell that they're going to just start their downward spiral. So someone in their management thought it would be a good it's idea Sunday to morning. do like, <laughs> a, like a kid's show on Saturday. Uh, and it's just the weirdest thing because uh, let me let me summarize every episode to you uh, in in this way. Uh, it starts with the Bay City Rollers doing a, a song live, and I'm using air quotes because it's you know yeah, the no, audience is in the background. It's the same way yeah, the Partridge Family did live. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or you know, Top of the Pops or any of that shit, and. They do a song, but I I have yet to see them do Saturday Night, which is their big giant hit that everybody knows. They had other songs. Uh, cool. Yeah. That well, that was it. I, I'm like, well, where's where's the other songs? They've got one called Rock and Roll Love Letter that seems to come up quite a bit. So they do a th- a song on this stage, and they've got like flash pods that keep going off, like it's a big stadium show. Uh, but it's obviously canned, and the singer every now and then will fuck up the lip sync. And, you know, and everybody's like, well, we're playing instruments, but we're not. Blah, blah, blah. And so every time the show starts uh, each episode, the drum kit is in a different spot. And I guess that's their way to mask the fact that they filmed all of these in one day. <laughs> just, <you> know, <laughs> so like in one episode, it's in the back and one it's like off to the left and one it's just square up in front. Uh, so that was jarring. So they do have a number. They you know, do the interaction with the fans in the studio. And then they do some sort of like monkeys, Benny Hill-esque uh, film thing with wacky music where they're doing some sort of like Buster Keaton hijinks. Uh, and then they introduce uh, the segment called Horror Hotel, which has got Witchy Poo and all of her minions from H&R Puff and stuff running Yay. some like haunted hotel. And then it's a 30 minute show, guys. The I know. I watched portion. it every week. 
Yeah, it takes up like 10 to 12 minutes of every fucking episode that's not a hotel. And the, the Bay City Rollers are only in one of them. It's it was just like they just drop it in. It's jarring. It's not funny ever. People in costumes. Uh, and then they go back to some business and then they end with another song and then you're done. Now, my takeaway from the Bay City Roller Show is you get a group of uh, musicians from Scotland and they don't let them say anything at all because otherwise no one would understand what the fuck they were saying. <laughs> so you get a lot of stuff like, welcome to the show. We're really going to have a blah, 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 You know, I'm Scottish, I'm Scottish. And you can tell because something on my wardrobe is tartan. Look at my collar, it's tartan. Look at my shorts, they're tartan. Look at my socks, they're tartan. Something on my uniform is tartan. That's how you know I'm Scottish. <laughs> when, <laughs> I was, when I was flying home in my jet lag, whatever, I I needed something soothing to listen to. And on the, on the in-flight entertainment on British Airways, they have a podcast called Great Scott, which is a Scottish oh, host talking to Scottish people in their Scottish nice. accents. So I just yeah. let the soothing sounds of that host and Alan Cumming lull me to sleep. On it is, yeah, it is soothing. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. But watching ah. the Bay City Roller Show, all I can think of is uh, So I Marry an Axe Murderer. When the dad's walking sure. around going, the Bay City <laughs> yeah. Rollers, S A T U R D A Y, that S A T U R. You know, it's just so obnoxious. And it's, but this, I to had totally forgotten the Bay City Roller show. And I'm, uh, you know, pretty sure there's a reason why, because it was just so like, ew, like who thought this yeah. was a good idea? And then you think, well, you know, Sid and Marty Croft. There's a shit ton of drugs in the 70s, so it's no wonder that our generation is just screwed up because is, of shit like this. Is there anything At the same time, I think, I think Scottish rock band Franz Ferdinand, you know what they were missing? A Saturday morning TV show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Is there anything subversive for the parents in, in, the, in the Bay City Roller show? Not, not unless you think Billy Barty as a featured player. Is no, somehow like so that. i got i got sent a uh a facebook reel of a tiktok or whatever um of a clip from the wiggles and they're in this four quadrant boxes thing and the first guy is clapping and he's like i've got the clap and then he, he gives the other guy the clap and it's like we've got the clap and we're gonna give you the clap and so everybody keeps clapping and, and like yeah yeah no no nothing nothing like that I mean, it's just a straight up like it's it's made for children. Uh, it's sort of like what they should have done is done the Kiss and the Phantom of the Park. They should have just turned that into some sort of like weekly thing with Kiss. It would have been the same vibe. Sure. You know, just people and puppets and lip syncing songs and the whole nine yards. But what got me was that I'm like, well, they haven't done Saturday night. And then I'm thinking like, well, when are they going to do boogie shoes? And that's when I realized that that's I do Casey it all the, the time. I always confuse Casey and the Sunshine Band with the Bay City yeah. Rollers and it never fails. And I always kick myself for it. And then I forget. And then I come across the show and I'm like, when are they going to do boogie shoes? Oh, damn it. They're not. So it's terrible <laughs> but if you go on Tubi TV and you watch this you'll get all kinds of suggestions for the Bugaloos Electro Woman and Dyna Girl some Jim Neighbors Lost in Space comedy thing uh, but no <laughs> Ghostbusters no Ghostbusters I was shocked and so if you want the original Ghostbusters with Forrest Tucker 
and the F Troop gang. Oh, that Larry Storch. Larry Storch, yeah. Oh, man. I'm Spencer. He's Tracy. I'm Calm. You're the Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, that's literally how I've been sort of uh, turning my brain off this last couple of weeks. Nice. Just watching just it. absolute fucking <laughs> like garbage. <laughs> Because I just can't stand anything that the regular streaming platforms are putting out right mm. now. Well, speaking, speaking of, uh, I won't get into it, but speaking of garbage and Alan Cumming, uh, there's a second se- season of The Traitors on Peacock, which is still trash, yes. but it's my the kind of trash. The Traitors or The Traitors? Traitors. I don't, I don't know the Traitors. Traitors. It's a reality show where people are, you know, hidden spies that are killing uh, the other. It's... It it's all garbage except Alan Cumming, who just comes in every episode in like the most amazing fashion and and choose scenery. It's it yeah. As you do, as you do, pure uh, trash. Speak, it's so good. Uh, speaking of chewing scenery, uh, I did finally watch the the last season of Rick and Morty, season seven. Oh, I didn't bother with it yet. And it's 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 uneven, but. My main sticking point was I wasn't sure if I was going to, you know, accept the new voices because they got rid of Justin Roiland mm-hmm. and you can't tell. It's amazing. You can't, you can't tell. So Good. it's either done by AI guy. and they just, they think, no, they hired guy? people, but there was like a guy on YouTube. I know they were considering who like did, I don't know, parody Rick and Morty thing. Oh, and could be, spot could on. be. And they were considering it, him. Yeah. Well, they've got well, one guy doing Rick and the one guy doing Morty. What was funny about that, so Heather Ann Campbell is one of the writers on that, and she's on a game podcast I listen to, and she was talking about when they released the first promo for season seven, and it was just clips from previous seasons, and there was this huge fan backlash about the new voice actors, and none of the clips had the new voice actors (laughs) in them in this promo. So people are just dipshits. (laughs) <laughs> I was expecting to be to be jarring, but it actually did they they did really well. I mean, every now and then it sort of sounds a little bit off, but it's just unless you're like a giant nerd into Rick and Morty, it's not gonna be a big deal killer. It's you not like on the like there's sorry, go ahead. It's not like their show Solar Opposites on Hulu, where they literally just recast a different actor and just said, Hey, fuck it, we're a sci-fi comedy cartoon show, we can do where the fuck we want. So that, now he's got a new voice. That <laughs> and is that was exactly it. what I was gonna say next, is that uh yeah. Solar Opposites, they actually wrote in a thing where the guy's brain gets switched out or something into a new body yeah. and dan stevens is the guy who does the voice who sounds nothing like justin roiland dan stevens yeah. is british english he was on uh yeah. uh downton abbey he was a legion go see legion yeah. on fx great show <laughs> so, yeah so that was to me very funny so then i was sort of skeptical coming into season seven of rick and morty uh but it works because all you need to do for Morty is, oh, geez, Rick, I don't know. You know, that's his shit. Shut shtick. up, Morty. And then, yeah. 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 Uh, and they do it well. My only beef with the season is they rely too heavily on repetitious jokes mm. where it's like the whole, it's like almost a Seth MacFarlane thing where you do the joke and then you do like the sequence montage or whatever. And then you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it because it's just they've written it into the the show and it gets a little tedious. Mm. Uh, but a couple of the episodes are <laughs> they're disturbing, but they're also pretty freaking hilarious. 
I won't ruin it for you if you're going to watch it. You got the like the indigestion burps while talking about Rick and Morty. I think that was you can't you you can't not on point. You can't not. (laughs) Uh, And then I will say, have you have you seen it yet, Eric? No or no? No, I've okay. the The final episode of season seven is one of the most blasphemous things I have ever seen on any television show ever. Uh, And the the basic gist is that uh, the the Vatican manages to get a hold of Bigfoot from Rick and then turns him into like a religious warrior for the Pope. Oh, I thought you were going to say something like they they say Star Trek Voyager is the best Star Trek. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Okay. Maybe that's season eight. Hey, okay. There's your Star Trek reference. There we go. Drink. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Take a a drink. Uh, And then there's like a whole thing where they battle the Pope for ultimate uh, power of the universe kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's just, it's so hardcore blasphemous that like, if I were Catholic, I would probably write him a letter. (laughs) It's so funny. So there you go. Yeah. So that's pretty low on the numbers now. I don't think there's as many Catholics as there used to be. No, it, I mean, it's still, it's still Rick and Morty. Yeah. I would still say watch it, but at the same time, it's anytime a, a beloved TV show hits five seasons, they should probably start wrapping it up. Yeah. Seven's Uh, getting pretty long in the tooth yeah anything over five seasons it's just sort of like okay at what point are you going to start recycling yourself and this is sort of they're teetering they're teetering but it's still good so there you mm. go all right it's no base city roller show all right well speaking well, of uh of, of things from the 70s should we get on to our main topic do i get to have a fresh shit oh wait you got oh no ah, yeah. oh yeah. okay fresh shit for okay. you yeah, what do you leave, got? Your, what do you got? leave your big Cleveland steamer all over this podcast. So I went to a movie theater to see a movie, uh, a movie up. called American Fiction. Uh, oh, the, is it, that's the Jeffrey Wright movie? Yes. Okay. It is, okay, almost, okay, let's see. I'd say about a third of it is a great movie, and two-thirds of it is a completely different movie. I will explain. Okay. Uh, American Fiction is an author who is... Uh, unable to sell his current book because they say it's not black enough he's an african-american author and they feel that black books should have a certain blackness to it and he's like what the fuck i'm black what uh, are you kidding so out of rage and protest he writes a novel in the voice of something akin to iceberg slim that's just very you know black experience poor grammar very you know like guns drugs thugs and shit like that and he does it tongue-in-cheek and gives it uh, a pseudonym so it's not him and tells his publisher send this to them fuck them send this to them you know like as if he's going to shame them but of course they don't get the joke they think it's real and they want to pay him a lot of money for the book Mm -hmm. and you know hijinks don't ensue that's the problem is that it's it's such a great idea for a book for a book for a movie but the real story of the movie is a uh an african-american author who goes back home finds out that his mother has alzheimer's at the same time his sister who is a doctor dies and so his brother, who's also a doctor, and he, who is a doctor of literature, have to find a way to care for her. He finds a girlfriend who lives next door to his mother, who is a lawyer, who they 
break up and get back to basically here's the deal it's so it's a christmas movie do you remember how wonder woman was a big feminist statement in that it said see even women can make shitty superhero movies this <laughs> no, is an important that. I thought that was race captain marvel statement in that it says even african-americans can make boring movies about upper middle class people because all they they're all doctors and lawyers that's great and they you know none of them have these dumb thug storylines but the thing is what they do have is shockingly boring and they did the whole thing with the book it that's the interesting part and yet it is so sidelined there's nothing fun in this movie there's it's just a melodrama about slightly rich people and their problems and i don't give a fuck i'm like give me give me just a 40 minute edit of just the book shit yeah, I, I almost feel like at some point they made the movie about the family and a producer said, uh, what about the book thing? That's actually interesting, you know, and so they had to go back and shoot more of it. I but mean, that what you're making sounds... me want to do is go watch. Sorry to bother you again, which is exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it also sounds like the plot to network almost where it's just we're going to do this dumb thing and it's going to be very popular and then suddenly that's what the company wants right I mean, but it's at least not like network it's a... was actually about that this it's it's yeah. like a side story to the main story which is just shockingly dull it's how are we gonna take care of mother now that she has alzheimer's why don't you take care of her well you were never really part of this family boy you you the family dynamics family dynamics let's let's add something to this character to give them depth but in no way give them depth i know the brother's wow. gay this yeah, the combined brother's gay. with my okay, jet lag is gay. making me fall asleep on the mic okay. yeah <laughs> and we're never we're never going to address it use it it means nothing their father killed himself Okay, what's that all about? I don't know. Fuck it. Move on. It's just, oh, it's aggravating. And it's all dressed in this way that says, if you don't get it, you're stupid. <laughs> this movie is so boring well, that well. Eric being annoyed by it and going off on it is also boring. <laughs> yeah. So instead of that, I will talk about the other thing I've been cracking out on. Uh, somehow, Google, which owns YouTube, found out that I was watching Doppelganger the other week. When we uh -huh. did that review. Oh, Journey Journey to the Far Side of the Sun? Yes, as it was named for American audiences, but it's really Doppelganger. Yeah. They, okay. as a result, almost immediately pumped my uh, suggestions full of UFO. The did you watch it? Century oh, yeah, I did. The <laughs> Century Lord, 21 uh, Jerry and Sylvia Anderson TV show that is considered the extension of doppelganger because a lot of the same models are in it a lot of the actors are in it a lot of the music is in it it's it's the the next step in uh doppelganger and talk about I've been watching super it, 70s man oh. it's pretty good it's actually pretty good i mean it's it's I, I i don't know what else to say it's pretty good what's funny is i didn't know this because it was on itv they, they were always being shown out of sequence and so they couldn't, and at one point they had to switch studios and so that delayed production so they couldn't get all their actors back. Basically, every episode has main characters for a TV show that don't show up again. And you really get the sense that it's a huge organization because the director of this thing, who's a big deal, you think, <laughs> isn't a big deal the next episode. Uh... And then he shows up again later. It's crazy. Isn't um, it, this UFO 2 is like the 
That's what Space 1999 was spun off of. Okay, so they got one season of uh, UFO, and they went to do a, a well, season, and a, how do they do it in, in England? They, a series. series. A series. Yes, yeah, so they go to do series two, and they revamp it so much, they were going to make UFO 1999, and they changed around so much, they just made it Space 1999. And yeah. I see now why I loved Doppelganger and why I like UFO is... Space 1999 was fucking dark. It was heavy. It's like people died a lot on that show. <laughs> and as a kid, that was intense. Uh, and I see now, this is, this, it, it's it's the Star Wars, Star Trek stuff, but brutaler, I guess. Yeah. So I then I like, started yeah. watching Space 1999, and I realized that's a show that is underrated. I, I wish they'd have gotten a third series. A third series in which they discover that the moon really was artificially created and is a spaceship, which explains why they can travel around so easily. Moonfall. Yeah, I like yes. the fact that uh, the original story for Space 1999 was that the aliens, whatever, blew up Earth. Mm-hmm. But they said, no, no, that's too dark. We can't do that. So, like, let's just blow up the moon. It's like, so not even considering everything that would go wrong with Earth right? once the moon was no longer there. It's like, that's, an, that's so another so no thing one's going to notice. I want them to, like, be, you know, have an episode in this third series where they do find Earth again because they discover they can pilot the moon and they come back and everyone on Earth is dead because there's nothing pushing the tides. So the oceans go mm-hmm. stagnant and disease takes over the Earth. Which is what would happen. Yeah. But good times. Yeah. Good so times. I, I really love the fuck out of Space 1999. I, I'm really very disappointed in American fiction. <laughs> well, there you go. Highbrow, yeah. lowbrow. Highbrow, <laughs> lowbrow. And which is which? Wah, 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 wah. And that's the fresh shit. So here's the deal. If you don't feel old already, uh, Blazing Saddles has just turned 50. 50. Uh, so it's uh it's it's it came out in February 1974 uh and just became a huge boffo success that nobody anticipated because apparently it's vulgar. Yeah. Do you get that sense watching it that it's vulgar? Oh yeah. I would yeah, say given the <laughs> sensibilities of today if you're a 20 something watching it get ready to get triggered. Yeah. Well, this is the deal. The movie's 50 years old, and this is what is most impressive about it, is that I still watch it today, and I cringe. I'm like, oh, shit. Did they really? Oh, my God. And it's like... It's and you 50 think, years old, and we haven't gotten any less racist, is what we're going to learn well, watching it's Blazes. It's not even racist. Well, uh, Mongo like rape. I mean, there's a lot yeah. in here that you there's, can... <laughs> and it's... Yeah, I mean, they, they, they poke a lot of sacred cows... Uh, but it's the fact that you can watch other stuff and it just it doesn't age well, like Animal House or whatever, where it's, you know, it it, it may be funny to a certain subsection, but Blazing Saddles, I mean, it's just, it's in your face. I think a lot of that comes from Richard Pryor being one of the writers, uh, Mel Brooks just being Mel Brooks and okay. just going, yeah, if it's funny, we'll put it in. We're, we're doing uh, the thing so- where we assume the audience has watched the movie and knows what the fuck we're talking about. If, yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're listening to a podcast about Blazing Saddles and you do not know what Blazing Saddles in is, uh, I don't really know how to help you. Pause it, go on Netflix and watch it and come back. But, you know, maybe let's give a quick recap of the synopsis. 
it's the grand it's the granddaddy of all parody movies the railroad wants to build a railroad through a town and they need to get the town to go away so they can build their railroad so they uh uh they they send their outlaws in to raid the town and drive everyone away and the townspeople write a letter to the governor demanding they get a sheriff to help them with this and so to help make the town go away the railroad gets in there and sends them a black sheriff because of course then everyone will move out because well come on he's black and then hijinks ensue hijinks ensue and gene wilder is a a gunslinger who crawled into a bottle and is is hanging out in the jail cell being gene wilder kid yeah my name's jim most people just call me jim (laughs) that's his big moment but it's yeah it's basically it's they're taking all of the western tropes that up in 1974 like Mel Brooks making a whole bunch of different genre riffs. You know, Young Frankenstein is the is the old Universal horror films, and uh, Spaceballs is Star Wars, and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Blah blah blah. This is the western. Well, this is the. I think this is the granddaddy of all spoof movies. Mm. Uh, It it. I mean, certainly there are ones that had come before, but this one I think you can actually lay a fairly solid claim that it was the influence for other ones like airplane and the zucker and zucker stuff and even like the shitty scary movies etc cetera, etc cetera. i mean it's it i mean it, it it's of its own and until you get to stuff like young frankenstein later in 1974 and then beyond it's like it still stands apart but it still pushes all of the hot buttons today and that's yeah. what I, I'm so amazed by is that it's it's still a matter of uh, you watch Blazing Saddles and you still get uncomfortable at times, Very even though you're laughing. Also, that the the studio had a problem with a lot that was in this movie too. So even then, it was it was released but barely. You know, <laughs> they did not yeah. want this movie coming out because they were like, "Holy shit, are you kidding me?" I mean, yeah. the sheriff is, but yeah, yeah. But I like that it, they just they let you know right from the start that it's it is what it is. So you get that crazy uh, like golden age Western movie theme song. Uh, he rode the blazing saddles, and they got a guy to sing it uh, who I guess had done a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but they didn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> it was for a joke and he had no idea that they put in all those excessive whip cracks in it which is what makes <laughs> it so stupid because it just goes on and on uh, and he did it totally straight uh, and then you get the opening sequence where the dumb white racist dudes are trying to denigrate the African Americans and the Chinese rail workers and the whole nine yards asking them to sing a Negro spiritual basically and they're all like, oh, what? And he's like, you don't know Camptown Lady? He's like, Camptown Lady? You know? And it's so basically right from the get-go, they twist the, t- the tables. They just turn it on the head and like, see, basically, you're a white racist asshole and you're dumb. And that's literally every white person in this movie. <laughs> and that's so fitting for 1974 to me. And it still hits hard. Slim Pickens it still hits hard. As, as the racist foreman guy. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Burton Gilliam is the guy who was doing the uh, Camp Town races. And yeah, I, I love the story that while they're filming that he has to like use the N word uh, on on uh, what's what's his name again? Cleavon Cleavon Little Cleavon Little. Cleavon Little yeah. And mm-hmm. and he had to like pull him aside at one point and say to Cleavon, look, I feel really fucking bad doing <laughs> You know, is this OK with you? And he's like, it's yeah. in the script. If you were calling me this for real, yeah, I'd kick the shit out of you. But this is a job. And he's like, OK, good. Yeah. Well, it serves a purpose, too. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, the actor a lot that he had enough of a problem with it. He had to say something. Well, I think that we're all fairly uncomfortable. Uh, mm. I mean, can you imagine the writer's room? I mean, they're they're digging these three things out. Uh but I think it's because you got Richard Pryor in there and yeah. he was just, he did not give a fuck. I mean, that Richard Pryor, you may or may not like his comedy, but good Lord, he's fucking hilarious if you ask me. And, and he knew and, how to just poke the tiger. Yeah, he knew how to just poke it, yeah. poke it, poke it. And he, and you could tell he was just, it's an angry flow through because it's just, they're looking around going, this is how ridiculous all of this is, all yeah. of this. And then they just put it into a Western because that's the great American <laughs> archetype thing. And they just whiz it all up until it becomes this metatextual weirdness at the end. Yeah. That's but the lost thing with with Richard Pryor. I think is how much uh, you know. People used to say, "Well, just deal with it." You know, the the racism in America, and his response was, "Okay, this is how I'm dealing yeah. with it," and it came out just j- <laughs> gruesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, it, I, it, this, I don't think if you didn't have Mel Brooks on this thing, it wouldn't have worked. Because yeah. he's just crazy enough, but he also had enough stature. Uh, and he, I think I, there were only a couple of jokes I think he pulled, uh, from what I recall, that when you when you read about him, why they got pulled, it's just sort of like, why did that doesn't make any sense, but whatever. But I think it was to, you know, maybe to play some of the studio game. But he would get notes like, you need to take this out. And he'd be like, yeah, okay, sure, we'll take it out. And then he wouldn't do it because <laughs> he's like, screw you. What are you going to do? Not release my movie? So it's it's just that anarchic thing from top to bottom. But right in that first five minutes, you get Slim Pickens with one of my favorite lines to this day. And I will just say this if I get exasperated. What in the wide, wide world of sports is it going on? Yeah. I mean, it's just that's just indelible in my brain. But it's I was thinking back watching this as a kid, which you probably shouldn't, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and and, th- and say that uh at least Two of us have seen this, saw this first on the sanitized, edited for TV version. I'm pretty sure Eric probably saw it on cable. I saw it on cable. Because he had cable. So it, I honestly don't know what version of it I saw first. I mean, it's it's been around for so long. Yeah. In, in so but many you think ways. Like, it, like by the time we first came into it, we were, I don't know, probably what, pushing, pushing 10 years old. If that sure, maybe late 70s. 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. We were almost unfuckable. <laughs> yeah. But, but, it, but it's just the idea that, uh, that blazing saddles almost immediately established itself, uh, as just a, as a comedy cornerstone in the very, in the few years between when it came out and then we were old enough to actually understand some of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a testament to how well the comedy holds up because some of it is very not funny haha it's very very dark satiric just knife blade sharp in the gut kind of stuff so but when you're you 
I I didn't find it as funny as I thought I would. Um, really, I gotta say, it kind of it it kind of just was there, and I don't know if that's just a product of it being so influential that, or or yeah. maybe just having been seen enough times, like the jokes were all predictable I, at this point. I, my my take on it was it it's the Hitchcock problem. You yeah. Know, Alfred Hitchcock influenced cinema so much that everything we do today comes from him. So that when you watch um, Vertigo now, you don't quite get what the big deal is. I watched this and I was like, this is the beginning of meta. This, these are all metatextual jokes where right, they right. come through the studio into the next neighboring film production and they have the shootout at the at man's Chinese theater and they watch the ending of the movie yeah. The characters are in the theater watching the end of the right. you know, it's like which is also crap. holy grail Monty yeah. python the holy grail at the same general time yeah or the beginning when he's riding his horse through the wilderness and then uh the the right. band he, yeah. yeah count basie yeah count so basie, that, just shows so up. basie and his orchestra are there playing the music that you're hearing much in the same way of uh, uh woody allen in oh i can't remember the movie the the bananas when he he's sad and you hear like an, a cello playing and he goes to the right. closet and he opens the door and there's a guy playing cello and he's like can you please keep that down you know it's the <laughs> yeah, beginning yeah. of metatextual humor and i think that's what blew people's minds really i, th was. I think so and and the boldness right just the the to to the point chris is making that just sort of taking on all of the shitty behaviors and 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 thoughts of people and just you know rubbing their nose in it I think, you know, so so maybe it's just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's been it's been redone and rewarmed and repackaged too many different ways. And the parts that haven't been repackaged are the parts you wouldn't you shouldn't like the straight up fourth wall breaks where they like look at the camera, you know, oh, did you get the joke? You know, we're in a movie. Yeah. Like those yeah. just those just don't work. My favorite bit as a as a kid and even now. Uh, is is the short one where uh, Cleavon Little has has rolled into town as the new sheriff, and everyone in town is like, "Oh hell no!" And you know they're they're not sure how to react, and they're they're like preparing to like lynch him or run him out of town. And all of a sudden, Cleavon Little abducts himself, and he holds <laughs> yeah. his own gun to his head, and he's like, "I'll, I'll kill him!" And oh my god, he'll do it! He'll do it! He's crazy, man! And he and he like drags himself into the sheriff's office to get away from these people that's just an inspired bit and it's all Cleavon little's delivery um yeah. i mean i mean it's just it's it's peppered in through a lot of that because then you've got the later quote with him and gene wilder uh and gene wilder's like you know they're the salt of the earth they're common farmers the common clay of the new west you know morons and so yeah. they're basically just calling out racism did for you, what it is, which is just abject stupidity. Did you know? You know? Funny moment. That's the, uh, the, him saying morons, apparently, is an improv. He did that yeah. you know, just because it was funny. And that's why Cleavon Little breaks, because he didn't see that coming, which I <laughs> love yeah. knowing that. It's good. Well, I mean, it's it's very, like, I remember I had, wa I had watched Blazing Saddles, like, decades ago, just... It, it was on cable and i think i had watched the sanitized version so much that that is how i remembered it and so every time an end bomb happened i was like what the fuck is going on i'm like i honestly did not remember 
hmm. the extent of that. Uh, and then years later, you see an interview with Mel Brooks talking about it and where he had a lot of uh, conflict with the studios because of all of the N-bombs. Uh, and he's like, basically, if they made it today, they would leave that out. And then you've literally got no movie. And that ah. rings true to me. Oh, yeah. No, this movie. So, I, not I disagree. Made now. I've yeah. got a slight disagreement on that score. I think his overuse of the N-word is because culturally there was an overuse of the n-word and so it, it's almost like saying you know that word you keep saying this is how horrible here it is, it is. But yeah now that is. now that you know the culture now says that's a horrible word you don't need to include it we get it yeah. that's something you don't say 20 times a minute i mean i i i guess it, it's kind of like ah no i'm just gonna end it there that's my point that's my belief <laughs> this <laughs> is like the job has been done yeah, Th yeah this is also i think um and 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 again things that i think i really liked when i was younger that have maybe i've just moved beyond or whatever but it is a a prime example of harvey corman and madeline khan doing what they do best yes, yes. uh yes i mean she got signature work I mean, she got an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress on this thing. Really? That's to me. I didn't. Yeah, I'd totally forgotten that. But I'm like, holy shit. That's crazy. Because she's barely in it. But she makes such an impact to Sylvie yeah. Von Stupp that it just, it, like, I, as a kid, would sing, I'm tired, tired of playing the game. Ain't the cry. I mean, it's just stuck in your head. Because every Mel Brooks yeah. movie has some song that just burrows in. And this is the one. I think I think uh, that's also a statement, though, on how unimportant Best Supporting is. It's like they hand that out as sort of a nod to the commercial movie they wish they could get yeah. more awards to. Well, it's also... Uh, case in point, Whoopi Goldberg for Ghost. But I just think it's funny because they actually do the bit with Harvey Corman at the end, basically just talking about how he's expecting his nomination for best supporting actor <laughs> i mean it's just such a throwaway joke but then they give it to madeline khan i mean it's just a lot of offshoots from there yeah. but it's just if if you watch this movie just on its own terms it's it's one of the best spoofs ever mostly because it doesn't give a damn about how it hues to the source material type stuff like it does the tropes but then it goes off and does all of these weird metatextual things it's got like anachronisms in it because they don't care uh it's a totally mm -hmm. different beast from young frankenstein which came out later in the year which is one of the most loving tributes to a genre and type of film i've ever seen uh but it's also very much that movie still whereas blazing saddles it's just anarchy from the mm. top to bottom and it's can, just yeah. loosely a western you know what can i mean? say and some of the most impressive work in this movie is done by the stunt team like they got some old western stunt guys to come out there and yeah. honestly the horses like there's a gag where and this is a, the sort of thing the zuckers would do right there's a gag where during a fight scene somebody just clocks a horse in the jaw with their fist and the horse falls over and like <laughs> That kind of stuff was was really well executed. All the all the horse stunts. Yeah. Well, plus you get the other bit too, where it's the it's the big melee at the end in the streets, 
and Mongo just comes in and just like picks up the fake horse that the guy's sitting on and just tips it over. <laughs> it's like at that point, they've just said, look, you've already seen the most ridiculous thing in the world, which is the big plan was to recreate the city of Rock Ridge to the, the, the smallest detail. Yeah. Was yeah. that High Plains Drifter? Yes. Where they did that? Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, what's his name? Uh, Higgins from Magnum PI, who's one of the who, who plays Howard Johnson in Blazing yeah. Saddles. He was also Howard in High Johnson Plains Drifter. Is right, that's the line I end up always saying. Every couple of <laughs> yeah. years, I'll just pop into somebody's thing. <laughs> that's and that's one of those stealth jokes too that uh, over the last couple of years has sort of made itself aware to me. Is every principal town's councilman in that johnson. in rock ridge is named johnson yet the town is named rock ridge that makes me laugh every fucking time because it's just that is so like i don't know if it's intentional or not but it's just it's just it's just funny oh you it, have to it's be a dick attention. joke i'm sure mel brooks <laughs> um intent was intentional yeah but it's just but it's also just so inherently quotable maybe not as much as airplane uh over the long haul but there are still some like, you know, what in the wild, wild world sports. But there's also the scene in the governor's office where Headley Lamar is hatching his plan. That's and then they Headley. Have, you know, yes. That's Headley. Um and then you like work, 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 work. Hello, yeah, boys, work, work, I work. you. Yeah. Hurrup, hurrup, hurrup. And he gets everybody to start hurrumping, and then he just stops. I didn't get a hurrumph out of that guy. That's like every meeting at work I've ever been in. <laughs> it's like there's that moment. <laughs> so it's just Murmur. It's so really funny. You murmur. Thank you murmur. for that genuine frontier gibberish. <laughs> yeah. Which oh, this was the thing that floored me. Have you you've all seen uh First Blood, correct? Uh the first Rambo the, movie. The Rambo movie? Yeah, the first one. Yeah. Okay. The guy that plays the in Blazing Saddles, he was yeah. the deputy sheriff uh who gets shot. Yeah. In, in first blood and i'm like why do i just, why does this guy look familiar and then i had to look the it asshole up guy like, yeah no. yeah 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 <laughs> good good times anyway that's a sidebar um but i think that the thing that really intrigues me is why blazing saddles is still so revered i mean you've got like like you said brian it's it doesn't play as well to you now uh but it's still a foundational comedy as far it's as a foundation of comedy, but also again yeah. i think part of its enduring appeal is they simply can't remake it right like you have to right. watch the original yeah that's yeah that is true that is true like yeah. it's it's like a brand it's like coke it's like xerox it's like kleenex it's like yeah. you say blazing saddles and everybody knows like, immediately they can they can try is. to remake robocop or total recall and do a bad job of it and people will be like you should just watch the originals no one's going to even try to touch this thing it is what right. it is and you leave it the fuck alone right <laughs> yeah it's also yeah. it's a style of comedy that's not really popular anymore every time they try and do one of these kinds of slapstick hijinks kind of airplane movies like like all the not another blank movie movies yeah that they made yeah those suck and everybody knows they suck and well they, you know, well that's those, no, 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 those, those those don't understand those don't understand the assignment right so all of yeah. those are exactly. is is they're trying to riff on a cultural moment and so the 
the the jokes in those movies are reliant on the audience being familiar with movies that came out in the last couple of years and they're doing riffs on on scenes from that and and to some degree i think that's part of why some of these mel brooks movies fade like high anxiety right it's it's playing on all the hitchcock scenes and the more familiar you are with the tropes and and the movies that are being referenced the the more it sort of tickles your funny bone or at the very least you know gives you that sense of being on the ends and blazing saddles you know is riffing on the westerns and so it's it's a bit removed from the source material it isn't expecting the audience to be as current it's not playing off of specifics as much although, although sure there's some of that still that popular. i forgot i mean yeah. well there was still a western film genre that was popular I mean, it was sort of on the wane somewhat by 74. Uh, but it was the because new you were getting that was big. And so, like, that's why Blazing Saddles could come out when yeah. it did. It's like, yeah, no, it's not going to have to compete with actual Westerns. No, but being on the wane, no. haha, right? There's no John Wayne parody, right? There's well, no character they, coming in and just doing a scene from a John Wayne movie. There's, you know, none of that. Mm, it's, I see. Yeah. Right. Well, but here's the deal is that uh, Mel Brooks offered the Waco kid role to John Wayne originally. Yeah, but and I understand what you're saying. There isn't like yeah. a specific reference to a specific like film. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, well, they aren't repeating I, lines from uh, my darling Clementine in an ironic yeah. fashion. Right. This there, is why Top well, Secret I, works and Scary Movie doesn't now. Yeah. But I think I think, well, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head as it were for blazing saddles because it's it's not interested in the character so much as it is the tropes that are involved with the western but recycling it into uh a time and culture that's right after the civil rights act and so there's still a lot of racial uh underpinnings in the country and I think this is literally just pulling the curtain back and just going, see, it's like we got civil rights, but all this bullshit is still here. But doing it in such a way that makes the people who perpetrate that stuff very uncomfortable and the people who are getting it perpetrated upon them going, yes, yeah, see, yes, motherfucker. Yeah. And then right, laughing exactly. about it. Yeah. And absolutely. I think that's where that's where the potency comes in Blazing Saddles that you don't get with a lot of other movies of this type because it's an absurd movie. It's silly. It's ridiculous. But yeah. there's that weird underpinning of social consciousness that should like it shouldn't work on any level, but it somehow does. Well, and I think that's what's fascinating to me about uh, it that. Still. That is that is fascinating in the same way that like using science fiction as, you know, metaphor for whatever thing you're trying, you know, Star Trek, right? Star Trek did that a lot right. where they put politics in, but they were space politics. So everybody could watch it. I think if you're trying to make a message movie today, what you end up doing is preaching to the choir. You make a movie right. for the people who are upset and not for the people who need to stop upsetting them. This is a movie that by using the comedy and the Western as its setting is is getting watched by the people right. who are being called idiots, morons to their face. <laughs> and some of them don't even realize it. That's what's yeah, funny. Well, because they're morons. But that's okay. But or the people but the saying, other, you know what? I thought this this stuff. Yeah, I saw another westerns was cool, but now that I see it in this new light, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of not who, cool. These westerns yeah. are going woke. Mm. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> That's what you'd see nowadays. But here's the deal. It's like you, you get all of that, but then you also have an extended scene that's just nothing but one giant fart joke. And it's funny. I'm not going to argue with anybody that says it's not. Yeah. But here's what's funny about the fart scene is the fact that after one or two, you're like, okay, ha ha. And then it just goes on to Seth MacFarlane lengths where it just doesn't stop. And it just, that's the one time where that kind of humor just always makes me laugh harder. Cause it's sort of like you, you chuckle, but then you're like, okay, I get it. I get it. And they're just literally bludgeoning you with this, this ongoing fart joke. And it's just, it, it it's so jarring because it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with the message of the movie. It's just there to make people laugh. And but it's another so world base. reference too, because cowboys are in those movies are always eating beans. And I'm sure at yeah. some point yeah. must've said, boy, all those beans, it must've stunk. Right. Yeah. And so it's just, it, it's a movie that goes from from just razor sharp satire to just the total puerile like kid joke stuff and it just and there's no barometer it's like it, it literally within the same scene you can have all of that and it's just boom 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 it's like a ping pong ball in a in a room sealed by itself and it just doesn't stop and that's literally i think where the humor references go it's like that's why you get stuff like airplane and then these other like scary movies or whatever but like brian said the later people they just they miss the assignment they don't understand mm -hmm. why blazing saddles is funny they yeah. just think it's more of an snl thing where it's like you just got to pepper them with all of the the current put in as many jokes as you can and hope something hits you know mm -hmm. yeah which to be fair top secret has but again that's also uh a hit miss ratio that's actually jokes yeah <laughs> uh so it's just it's just funny but to, to look at blazing saddles as just uh a historical film artifact uh i think it will continue to hold up because it just it's 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 the baseline for so much that came afterwards and it's hard to overemphasize that I can't really put it into words because I think we've, we've all seen enough of movies that we've, I think, sort of filtered them in. But it's sort of like like Star Wars came out and that was sort of a filtration of the old pulpy sci-fi stuff from the you know 40s and 50s. But then suddenly Star Wars became sort of the baseline for all of the fucking sci-fi mm -hmm. that came after it. And, and that's kind of what this is for, for comedy for me. It's just yeah. it influenced so much. Because it showed that you could do the anarchic stuff, but have a social voice with it. And that's ultimately what I love most about Blazing Saddles. You say it's you know, hard to probably have a really great. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. We could probably have a really great show in the future where we dissect a really shitty version of Star Wars and talk about that mm -hmm. and how it similarly misses the assignment, but. Didn't I we see what do you do that. <laughs> We've done that repeatedly. I can't believe it's not yeah. Star Wars episode. Yeah, um, it's it's tough. It's no Star Trek. I'll grant you, Chris. You say it, it's hard to overemphasize that, but I wonder if Seth MacFarlane tried to overemphasize that point. If he overdo it to the point where it was funny, that's that's. Well, do, have you <laughs> that's my have you seen a have you seen a million ways to die in the West? I love that movie. That's like, I don't care. People people shit on it all the time. I think it's. I hate it so much because I've seen Blazing Saddles. I mean, that's just the bottom line. It's just, it's literally his love letter to Blazing Saddles, but it is so Seth MacFarlane that it just makes me hurt. 
I just don't find him funny. And the, yeah. he just, he's got a thing where he's got to do the repetition, 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 repetition until he just beats you into submission with his funny. And it doesn't work for me. Whereas <laughs> Blazing Saddles, Mel Brooks is just like, I don't care if you like it or not. This is something that we're having fun with. And that just shines through to me. It's not, it's not like he's working for it. He just knows inherently that this is going to be funny. And bam, it's very organic. Right. Well, so I like, I liked it. I'm just, okay. Well, fi final thoughts. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you haven't seen Blazing Saddles by now, your life is empty and sad. Honestly. Yeah. Just, and you know. You're in for a treat or a shock. One or the other. Or both. Throw out. Yeah. Throw yeah, out, your out your hands. Stick, Stick out, out your tush. tush. Hands on your hips. Give, Give them a push. Give them a push. <laughs> and that's what you do when you listen to the Magnificently Huge podcast every week because you subscribe to it. Oh. And then you shared it with your friends on social media. Yeah. And then you went to our website, maghuge.com. M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. Nice. And found all the old episodes. <laughs> And links to email us and all of our socials. So, you know what to do. I mean, yeah. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Harumph. <laughs>